Psalm 124. Psalm 124 is where we are going to start here. I want to read it. We'll pray and we will continue with the lesson or the message today. Uh, psalm 124 is a song of ascent. It is a psalm of David. And it says in Psalm 124, the word of the Lord says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger against us. Then the water would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging water would have swept over us. Blessed be the Lord who has not let us be ripped apart by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the hunter's net. The net is torn and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, this psalm that speaks volumes to us in the times that we're facing today. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. As we go through this time, Lord, we pray this in your holy, precious, wonderful name. It's in that name we pray. Amen. So each of these Psalms of Ascent, as we go through these Psalms, as we continue through this conversation, I want to point out something that I maybe haven't spoken of in the last few weeks, and that is that each of these Psalms, each of these Psalms have a theme. Uh, the theme of Psalm 124 is deliverance. So each of these Psalms of Ascent are themed around something specific. And, you know, we can talk about that as we go along. But if we go back to the first, you know, there was this cry for truth. The second one was about the protection of the Lord. The third one was a, was a prayer for Jerusalem. Last week, we talked about looking for God's favor. We talked about finding favor with God. And, and this one talks about deliverance. It talks about, there's a theme here. And, and so what we need to look at is they sang of how God helped them in ages past. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves how God intervened in the past. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God will intervene in the future. What, what kind of mess would we be in if it weren't for God's involvement in our lives? Let's think about that for a moment. If we were going through our lives, what kind of mess would we find ourselves in if God had not intervened somewhere along the way? You see, we're invited to think what might have happened if God hadn't stepped in. That's what this psalm kind of encourages us to do. If God hadn't stepped in, what? What would have happened? I've heard a number of pastors preach a sermon about those two words that we see in Scripture often, those, those words that are but God, those moments when God stepped in and did something for his children. You know, if God hadn't stepped in, but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, See, the psalm begins as a call and response. Now, what does that mean? That's one of those um, where you read and then the leader reads and then 
the people read and then the leader reads again and the people read in response to the leader and the first verse the first two verses of this is a call and response and it's a beautiful thing it's it's amazing to hear and and sometimes we forget that this is how things things weren't much different then as they are now the call and response here david the singer inviting the congregation to join in it's it's almost like he's saying can i get an amen can i get a witness yeah, and, and 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 it's something that we do as pastors sometimes when we're preaching when we're bringing the word before the church we say you know, can I get an amen to that? Can can somebody amen me? Can I get a witness? Can I get someone to agree with me on this? Because two, three agreeing, it, it, it's a whole lot easier to take in. So we've got this first verse where David is basically saying, can I get a witness? The consequences of what might have been are detailed poetically in a series of word pictures here. And we may not think much about deliverance when our lives are comfortable. It's only when we're thrust by events out of our comfort zone that we begin to see our need for divine help. Folks, I've, I've thought about this often. Um, we do a prayer service on the square every Friday night at 10 o'clock. You know, it's not comfortable for some to come out at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. We understand. It's not comfortable for some to come out in the temperatures that we've been facing, the colder days that maybe have come. It's not comfortable for some to do prayer out loud. It's not comfortable for some to sing in church. It's not comfortable for some to do a scripture reading. I don't think we're supposed to get comfortable some days. It's only when we're thrust by events out of our comfort zone that we begin to see our need for the divine help. We don't do them because God or because we can or can't. We do them because we're inclined to that God has given us a help. C.S. Lewis aptly pointed out that God's voice appears as a whisper when we're at ease, but loud and clear when we're enduring trials, when the noise is all about us, when the noise is going on around us, God will speak in a voice that we can hear if we're striving to listen. But if we're quiet, he will speak in a small voice. I heard about a pastor that went to give blood one time and he was asked several questions to determine his eligibility. The last item on the questionnaire was, do you engage in any hazardous work? He smiled and answered, yes. Well, he was wearing the, the clerical collar and the Red Cross worker looked up, marked no on the sheet, and then with a trace of a smile said, I don't mean that kind of hazardous. You know, life is hazardous. Life is very hazardous. And as I opened with earlier, you know, it's been a hazardous week for me in some ways. Things have been a struggle at times. All followers of Christ are involved in hazardous work. At least we should be. I want you to hear it today. Every day we put our faith on the line. Every day we put our faith on the line. We've never seen God, but we've trusted him, right? We've, we've never seen him face to face, but we trust him. We don't know a thing about what tomorrow holds, but we 
expect that nothing can separate us from God's love. We live on the edge, daring to trust God's promises. But the reality of our life is this. We have to live on faith. We have to live that faith out. Those things have to be done in such a way that we show the world through our faith who he is. Not because of anything I do. They're not going to see him because of me. They're going to see him because of his work in me. Life is hazardous, but the hazards of life are not the subject of Psalm 124. The hazards that we're talking about here are not the subject of this psalm. They provide the setting. They provide the the setting. The theme, as I said earlier, is deliverance. So God promises us that he will help us. He promises to help us. And, And how he does this may not line up with our health or not with what's let me start that over how he does this may not line up with how we think he should do this that's what i'm trying to say i got i got tongue tied for a moment trying to think of the best way to word that and i really think that is the best way how god will do things is maybe not the way we thought it would happen but God will do what is best for us. Things may not line up in the order that we thought they should. We might have ordered them differently. But God is doing what is best for us. Our spiritual prosperity is more important than our health or our bank account. For the early Puritans, material prosperity was not automatically seen as a sign of God's blessing. The the things that our secular culture regards as signs of success aren't necessarily the things that God will deem successful. See, we might need to redefine what a good life is as we continue this conversation. We might need to redefine what the good life is, and it doesn't look like the world. The world does not know. And as we go through these arguments and these struggles and the things that we're seeing today, I think we've come to question some of those things. The first impression we get from reading this psalm is that it appears like this, it it, it almost appears like a last gasp effort from someone who's barely escaped from danger. And now that they're in a safe place and and relieved to be alive, it's like they're saying, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive. If the Lord hadn't been on our side when men attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive. See, nations form alliances with one another for protection. And and the question is, whose side are we on? Whose side are you on today? Danger is described in three metaphors, a wild beast, floodwaters, and a fowler's net. That is what we see here in this song. I want us to understand something today. The arguments that we're going to see around us in the world, the struggles, the fights, the things that are happening, those arguments are going to incline us to pick a side. The sides in that argument are going to push us to pick a side. 
They're going to ask us to choose their point of view. Why? Because their point of view is their opinion and it is what they believe in. Folks, if you're not standing on this point of view, any other point of view is not going to do you any good. See, have you ever played with a cat or a dog or something? I mean, cats come to mind more than dogs in this. Cats like to attack sometimes. They just like, it's it's part of their fun. I don't know. But have you ever thought about what it would be like to be attacked by a wild beast? I mean, I'm sure the thoughts crossed your mind. Um, maybe you've thought about what it would be like to be attacked by a wild beast. Maybe, you know, when Darius put Daniel in the lion's den, he figured because of the way that lions typically act, Daniel would not survive. But God had other plans. See, Daniel could have responded to the king with words of this song. Daniel could have said, if the Lord had not been on my side, I would have been swallowed alive. David may be referring here to the enemy nations or even the devil. And, and what I mean by that is if in the New Testament, one who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. See, flash floods are common in Israel, and we've seen our share here. Rainstorms fill cracks and gullies which feed into another, and the waters cause unexpected cat catastrophes. Travelers can be suddenly swept away, and the Lord provides us with a solid foundation to keep us from being engulfed by the troubles. We might be tossed about, but we will not be submerged. You know, bird catchers set up traps hoping to snare a, a fowl, maybe catch something for dinner. A bird is trapped and then there seems to be no way out, but the snare breaks and the bird escapes. It's not good fortune, but it is divine intervention. Fowlers have many methods of trapping birds, and the devil has many methods of ensnaring souls. When we feel caged in, when it seems there's no way to break out, seek God's deliverance, and he will break every snare. He will break every chain. He will break every hindrance, everything that's holding you back. And David is declaring here that if it weren't for the Lord's involvement, the Jewish nation would have been utterly destroyed. Israel was threatened in a couple of ways. There was annihilation and there was assimilation. See, enemies sought to destroy Israel. Pagan cultures posed a threat to Israel. And honestly, some of this still happens today. There's this distinctive monotheism that happens in Israel and in Christianity. There's this culture, traditions, values, ethnic and spiritual heritage. Intermarriage with pagans posed as much of a threat to Israel's sacred identity as was invading armies. But the people that, that lived there, you know, they had an influence on Israel. The people we live with have an influence on us. You are influenced by those you are closest to. David sings his thanksgiving to God for preserving the nation. Think about that for a moment. 
you are more influenced by your parents. Those you grow up in the home with, I, I remember growing up and being influenced by my parents leadership, the way they led me and guided me. And as I come out to where I am today, I think about my mom and my dad, and I think about the history of that family. And it wants, it wants to get me choked up thinking about it because I realize that where I'm at right now is a place that I could not be had I not grown up with that in my home. See, David here, I want to note something here, and it's something that I've I've really been praying about a lot lately, but David does not defend God here. Not one thing in this does he defend God. Not one way in this does he try to prove anything. He's only offering a testimony. He's offering a testimony about what God has already done. Folks, he's not trying to prove anything. He's saying, this is what God has done for me. If God had not been on my side. A testimony is simply telling about the mess we were in and how God lifted us out of the mess. You see, when we let it be known that we're followers of Christ, we're put on the defensive. I, I heard a quote. One time it said, I'm expected to explain God to his disappointed clients. I'm, I'm thrust into the role of a clerk in the complaints department of humanity. If I accept this role, I misunderstand my proper work. For God doesn't need me to defend him. He doesn't need me for a press secretary. We hear the press secretary a lot when it comes to the president and you, if you hear the press secretary speak, she's spending a lot of time defending the president. That's, that's the job of the press secretary. But listen, we don't have to defend God. We simply need to get out of his way. The Holy Spirit convinces, convicts, and calls people to the cross. The Holy Spirit convinces, convicts, and calls people to the cross. Think about a basketball team or a baseball team or someone. Maybe they only win a couple of games. You know, and I don't want to make this comparison, but I think back to the Washington Wizards back a few years ago or uh, maybe not the Wizards, but, you know, you, you think of that one player who is deemed the best in the league, and they become a free agent. Could you imagine being a team, like, that goes winless in a season or wins a couple games out of a long season? I mean, in baseball, there's 162 games in a regular season of Major League Baseball, and you're talking a team could possibly go 30 and whatever, like 30 and 132. A team that goes 30 and 132 is not a team that is decent, but you get that best baseball player. Or let's talk basketball for a minute. A team, like I said, the Washington Wizards, where Michael Jordan shows up and signs as a free agent. There are things that we can look at here. How would you respond to the news? 
that the best basketball player or the best baseball player or the best football player has just signed with your team to play? How would you respond to that news? Well, the reality, help is on the way, folks. And and the thing about that news, it's, it pales in comparison to the fact that you are on a team. You and I are on a team together, and Jesus is the captain of the team. So no matter how many failures we seem to have, the captain of the team is the greatest man that ever lived. The captain of the team is the son of God. The captain of the team is Jesus. And before we can assume that God is on our side, we need to ask ourselves whether we're on his side. Because it's not going to matter if God is on our side, if we're not on his. Are we dependent upon his help and asking him to guide our steps? If if we've moved away from God, he might still help us, but only to convince us to trust him. Or he might let us experience what it feels like to live apart from him. Have you ever prayed in the wrong mindset and not felt the answer? And then you look at it and go, God, why didn't you? And God's saying, because you didn't mean it. Because you weren't honest about it. Because you didn't feel that way. You just wanted me to deliver you. I wanted you to see that you need to trust in me completely. When we narrowly escape from a situation, how do we feel? Do we feel lucky or do we feel blessed? David's not thanking his lucky stars here. He's he's giving credit where credit is due. David is, is opening this psalm, giving credit where credit is due. If the Lord had not been on our side. And then he says, let Israel say it. Not just me. I can say this all day, but let's all say it together. Let's praise the Lord together. The Lord has blessed us. If the Lord had not been on our side, and he concludes, but the Lord has been on our side. The last words of this, the Lord has been on our side. And it's it's special. He says, but the Lord has been on our side. Therefore, let us praise him. Let us bring joy to him. Let us let us come before him because he is the one who has given us that hope today. You see, I've been focusing on deliverance from physical danger, but that's only part of the picture. So I want to talk a little more about this. I want to go a little deeper. God delivers us from sin just as much as he does the physical nature. He saves us from that which seeks to destroy our souls and our souls, as we talked about, before are our most prized possession. See, he did it by sending Christ, the unique son, to take our punishment. The father sent his son, put his son in danger to deliver us from the penalty of sin. We've been hearing about Islam in the news. Muslims teach that Jesus is a virgin-born Messiah and prophet, but they do not believe his death on the cross was a sacrifice for sin. And that is the crucial part of believing with your heart. That is the heart of the gospel, folks. The heart of the gospel is that Christ came and died for our sins and was raised again so that we could have life. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was 
God's son. The blood of Christ is what secures our pardon. Muslims seek to find favor with God by submission, but by total obedience to the law. But no one is perfect. We cannot hope to live sinless lives, unfortunately. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that to make excuses for sin. The sacrifice of Christ, God the Son, is our only hope of forgiveness. We cannot be saved from the sins in our past, much less the sins we're going to commit. You know, the psalm ends in affirmation. But I want us to understand this. By obtaining help, or we obtain help, by recognizing our helplessness and by admitting that we need God's help, only then will we experience what we need to experience. Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, we talked about it. Remember, he urges, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. While he is near. Where do you stand today? Verse 8 ends this psalm with an affirmation. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the 18th century, French Protestants used this verse to begin their worship services. What's remarkable is that God, who formed the universe, has time for us. What's remarkable is that he is involved in our lives, that he has time for us, that he gets involved in our lives in times of comfort, in times of conflict. He does not abandon us to the forces of nature. He does not abandon us to our foes. When we're tempted to question God and his provision in his life, we we need to remember that faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our lives. Faith is developed into perseverance if we uphold. See, he does not abandon us. Faith develops out of the difficult times, not the easy times. And David praises God in a world that is hellish, in a world that is against him. And and honestly, he praises God because it's the help that he has experienced, not the hazards that he's faced that define him. The fact that God has helped him defines him. And that's where David is in this psalm. That's where we today should be as his followers. We know the psalm best when we've tested it. When we put that to the test, I'm not saying test God. But when we use this, we're testing ourselves. Testing our faith. Are we willing to stand up to these things today and recognize the spirit of which God is leading us? We find it to be credible because we've experienced the helping hand of God. In the living of this psalm, we discover that God is with us and God is for us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? Plain and simple. Where do you stand today? Let's go before the Lord in prayer and close this out. But remember those words. If God be for us, who can be against us? No one. Not a single one. So I hope that today you will turn to him if you need to. That you will find peace in him if you need to. That comfort will come because you have put your trust in him.
As we go to prayer, I want to say it this way to you. If the Lord had not been on our side, let the Christians say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive. And in their burning anger against us, would have swallowed us alive. In in the floods that we would face, they would have swallowed us alive. God is our help in the past and he will be our help in the future. He has never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's never pushed us to the side. And our hope in these days is to remind ourselves and reassure ourselves that our deliverance does not come from within, but our deliverance comes from above. And as we come to this time, let's just lift it up to him. Let's let's close this out and pray and ask God to be with us. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come to know you today. God, you bring us to you. Lord, we know we face struggles in this world. We face hardships, we face trials. But you are a mighty God who is in control. God, you have given us so much today that Lord, right now we come before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over us today. Help us to find peace in you. In this world that will hate us, Lord, help us to be a light. Help us to shine into the darkness those that they can see. And Lord, help us to call out to you in thanksgiving and say, if the Lord had not been for us, And even get those around us to call out with us. If the Lord had not been for us, what a different world we would be facing today. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory now. Father, I pray you be with this nation. I pray that you be with the decisions to come. I pray that you be with each one of us as your children. And God, I pray that you be with the country. I pray you be with the church. I pray you be with the states. I pray that you be with each leader, that God, each leader, whether it be for the church, the country, the states, that they would turn to you, turn away from their wicked ways, Lord, and and bring glory to your name today. Pray the same for me. Lord, you say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will you hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. We cry out to you like a dry parched land today. With a sin that needs forgiven. God, I praise you today that you have already delivered us from the things of this world. And we just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Pray in your holy name. Amen. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in for our services here on our uh, podcast page. Thank you for listening and hope you had a blessed time with us. You can get more information on Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. And until next week, we hope you have a blessed week in the Lord.